You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run Walsh. If it's first and ten, Walsh. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Wakey, wakey. Wakey, wakey, indeed. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, <laughs> to another edition of the Outer Structure Podcast. Matt Stagner here with Ron Cobb Jr. We're quoting Chris Jones to start off this podcast for... For good reason. It's camp time. Uh, we're going to have some hard truths that we have to face today. We'll try to get Ron's takes from camp as we go forward. But hopefully, uh, hopefully you enjoyed your time in St. Joe already, Ron, and, and uh, you, everything's well in your neck of the woods. Yeah, I know Monday morning, fresh off the first day of camp Sunday. Uh, it was it was a, a beautiful day. Not as beautiful today on Monday. Uh, anyone who was going up there for season ticket holder day. Uh, you kind of had to wait a little bit, but it sounds like they're back outside now. So definitely camp getting off to a good start. But the only the only not good thing about it is Chris Jones, which which we'll get into. But but besides that, no camp was great. Dude. Uh, uh, camp uh, was was a good time. St. Joe Stags, we gotta we're gonna have to get you up there, man. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to get you get you up there and and get the whole AP crew up for for camp soon. Yeah, I'm hoping to make it there. It's always a good time if you're in the Kansas City area or if you can get there. Certainly recommend it. There are some observations we want to get to, um, and, and really, again, I think there's a couple of hard truths we gotta we gotta face here. We've heard the news coming in from around the league this morning for, of several players going down with pretty significant injuries in camp, and that's one of the first harsh realities of training camp that you gotta face yeah. is that unfortunately you get on the field and and bad stuff can happen. There was a uh, uh, the Lions' big free agent acquisition. Chauncey or CJ Gardner Johnson went down with a non-contact knee injury, which is never a good thing. Uh, there's also Naheem Hines of the Buffalo Bills uh, that is uh, has had a pretty significant injury of his own. You always hate to see that for any team, for any player, of course, as you enter training camp, especially uh, if you're doing something that's even not football related, as the case for for Hines. The Chiefs have had an injury of their own, and, and I think this is maybe a, a place we can start. Um, in your observation, you, you noticed that, uh, that Kadarius Toney uh, left with a knee injury during, uh, during his training camp practice when he was catching punts. And there was an elf, uh, black elf question here. Uh, what's your confidence room in the, the confidence in the wide receiver room with Kadarius Toney already having issues? So, this is, to me, the first somber fact that we have to face is that Kadarius Tony is already facing an injury. Should we be concerned with that? Is that uh, uh, is it something significant, or uh, is this par for the course with the uh, early days of training camp? 
Well, I mean, it's not great that he couldn't even make it to the practice. That's the thing, Stags, is is this wasn't something that happened as they were running through drills during practice. Um, he, he wasn't necessarily running a drill as a punt returner, kick returner. He was just warming up. This is what anyone who, who plays football, you know, back in the day, even in, in, in high school, you know, when you're kind of a, a DB or a, a running back or receiver, a lot of times, you know, with the punters and kickers, you know, when they're warming up, you just go shag balls for them, right? Just to get yourself warmed up, you know, catch a ball, you know, get the hand-eye coordination going, get get the, you know, get yourself, you know, catching the exploding upfield, you know, running for 10, 20 yards. That's that's how you get warmed up a lot of times. And and that's all he was doing. And and that was before practice. Caleb James, actually, our, our other analyst, uh, he was there with me at, uh, at, at camp. He was actually down there. I, I was somewhere else. And he saw Tony go to the tent first. We were kind of both hoping it was just precautionary. Maybe he just needed a little extra work before practice got going. But nope, it was it was not. Uh, he did not return to practice and is not at practice today, or not uh, warming up at least, according to Pete Sweeney, our boss man. Um, he's up uh, is up there at St. Joe today as well. Um, so it, it was definitely a little bit of uh, something to to think about with 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 Tony in the receiver room. But but my thing is is the standout of the day, according to all the media members, and I was I was hyping him up too. So I can't say I I, I was innocent of it, but. You know, the guy that, that seemed to step up in his place was was Richie James. Um, and, and, and so we'll talk about that a little more. But do you have anything on, on, on Tony? Um, you know, any any reaction to kind of how he, he tweaked it, you know, not even getting into practice? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's somebody that needs to be in bubble wrap whenever he's not on the field on offense at this point. I'm not sure that I would even let him practice as a punt returner, uh, you know, at this point in the season. I think you got to get him ready to be the featured guy in the offense like they hope that he can be. If he's if you really think he's your number one, then they need to protect him as such. Yeah, well that's the thing is is I'm I'm coming to the point where, you know, the team the team had no reason in the world not to give him that kind of hype up. Uh we actually talked about it in the group chat recently, you know, I you know, do we really do we really believe the Chiefs believe in him as a wide receiver one um or do they think of him as just like a, a really, you know, good nice piece of the offense that could you know have a lot of production but what what was the disadvantage of them calling him a wide receiver one at that point you know they're so far away from the leverage uh, or from the negotiation part you know where it's not like he's going to get any leverage from them calling a wide receiver one they still have another year of control after these next two years if they want to exercise it but that's the thing stags is is it does come to a point where you know they do have to exercise a fifth year option after this year and and if he can't prove that he can stay on the uh, field after this year I guess you don't really need to worry about uh, picking up that fifth year option because it is it is not you know it's a decent chunk of change about thirteen million or fourteen million depending on how well he does um, guaranteed in that fifth year and so you know in my head I've always thought okay they have him in keen control over the next you know three years but he does have something to prove this year because if he doesn't prove it this year then he's in a contract year next year and you know he doesn't have that fifth year option the team doesn't you know the team may not believe in him you know so he does have a lot to prove this year so he does need to stay on the field it is it is an important year for Tony. You bet. Well, let's, we'll talk more about the wide receiver in just a minute, but let's get to the other somber truth we got to face. And, and you mentioned it already. Chris Jones is not there for the start of camp. Looking for that new contract is in the final year of his deal. Uh, I think both parties want to get this deal done, but reports coming out showing that he, they are farther apart or they're still far apart is never something you want to hear at this point. That's clearly something that a, a, an agent would leak uh, to let everybody know that the team is not, you know, given in to their demands, basically. So there, there's a whenever it goes public, to me, it's usually a bad sign. I was hoping this thing would stay quiet until it got done. Uh, that hasn't been the case so far. Uh, 
are we concerned now? Do we need to start worrying that this maybe isn't going to happen at all? I, I definitely think it's time to entertain it, time to think about it, because I just think Andy Reid's reaction to being asked about it, him, you know, obviously he's not going to be a fan of anyone holding out, but, you know, his exact words were, you know, it, you know, communications were good or things were good between us just until a little bit ago. Um, and, and, you know, and to me that means, you know, he kind of thought everyone was on the same page in terms of either, all right, this deal is getting done or, you know, you're going to come to camp at least, uh, or just, you know, you can hold in, I, uh, you know, avoid the fines, you know, be with the team. You know, I know that's still to me, you know, there's still some things about that that don't, you know, it, it's still, it may be even more of a distraction if he's there and, and, and isn't practicing. But to me, it, it is weird that, uh, you know, we're getting to this point. Um, but at the same time, we've seen the Chiefs do this with multiple star, you know, not star players, I should say, you know, with Tyreek, absolutely a star player. You know, they, they pushed it to the limit. He wanted more than they were willing to offer and traded him. Orlando Brown Jr. We saw last year, you know, he pushed it to the limit. The, the you know, the team didn't want to, you know, the team paid, you know, offered him a pretty good deal and he turned it down just like we're seeing in this situation uh, most likely. So the, t- the team has shown that they're not willing to, to, to budge. And, and Chris Jones, you know, as, as much of a star uh, season as he had last year, you know, the team has a value on it, apparently. And, and Chris Jones is pushing that limit a lot. And so, I don't know, I do think, you know, we could see Chris Jones finally, you know, or the Chiefs, I should say, you know, kind of just finally say, look, you know, this is it. You know, this deal is the deal. And if Chris Jones gets mad enough about that, man, he could say, hey, look, you know, then, then get me somewhere who's going to pay me better or, you know, I – there's that possibility. I, I don't think it's likely, but like, I think at this point we have to entertain the possibility that like Chris Jones could either get upset or just not get upset, report to camp and not get that deal. Um, but the deal may not get done. Yeah. It's, it's fair to expect it at this point, or, or at least to expect it as a possibility because the chiefs have drawn that line and they have been conservative about giving out giant contracts, especially the older players. So it is one of those things that you know Chris Jones isn't old yet, but they they've been they've been very hard line when it comes to contract negotiations over the last few years, except for Mahomes, which for good reason. Um, so I think we got to have some concern there. Obviously, we can still be optimistic that it gets done, but the possibility is there. All these options are on the table, and I think you know we had a couple questions here that came in about it. Uh, Jake Wilson asked, you know, Chris Jones is a game-wrecking stud. Are, are we sure the Chiefs even want a new contract? If he's 29 already, the Chiefs still have three seasons of potential club control. Um, is that a, an opportunity uh, or, or a waste if you start thinking about him in terms of three straight contract year performances? So what Jake's talking about here is is one of the options. It's maybe – not the option that Chris Jones and his team would want, but Jones could play out the final year of his contract this year. The Chiefs could franchise tag him next year and the following year. And you've just gotten Chris Jones from age 29 to 32 without uh, uh, without committing a, a whole ton of guaranteed money. Uh, those are all obviously guaranteed numbers uh, are already, but it's still you know less expensive and less of a long-term commitment. Now, obviously – doing that to a player would almost ensure that he's not going to want to sign a long-term deal. <laughs> you might have to deal with some holdouts, but uh, what do you think about that opportunity? Uh, should they just roll with the three years of club control and, and tell uh, Chris Jones's agent to go uh, kick rocks? 
Well, yeah, you, 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 you hit it on the, on the head right there with, with the fact that, you know, this isn't Madden. I mean, this, these are real people's lives. And, you know, Chris Jones is not going to be a fan of this organization if, if they're going to just, you know, string them along like that. But you're right. I mean, you know, next year, the I'm looking at the 2024 projected franchise tag number for a defensive tackle. It's 21 million. I mean, that's a bargain for Chris Jones. Um, and the following year, it's going to go up, you know, a little bit. Uh, it's still going to be a bargain. Um, so in theory, it is uh, it is a good idea for the Chiefs and maybe where the Chiefs are going to have to play hardball and 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 do this. But at the same time, man, uh, yeah, you, you can't, especially with someone like Chris Jones, who has proven it two times. I mean, this isn't someone coming off his first big year. This is someone coming off his second big year. And they were like, what, four seasons apart, I want to say. And, and this last season being one that that may have helped you win the Super Bowl when you talk about his AFC championship performance, that low scoring game. You know, Chris Jones' dominance, you may not squeak that game out uh, if the Bengals' offense is, get, is able to get anything else going. So, And he he's gonna hold games out, right? Like, I mean, that was yeah. him That was him with, with sacks in the final drive. I mean, yeah, that's this is, oh, a, yeah. this is a cornerstone piece of your franchise. Yeah, and that's where I think we all, maybe with the Super Bowl glow on all of us, are thinking, oh, they'll definitely just sign him. But, you know, this is a business, and uh, Jake, Jake might be pointing out where the Chiefs are maybe uh, thinking about, but I still think – the Chiefs aren't that, you know, they're not that, uh, I don't want to say naive. That's not the word for this. But just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think they'd either get him to somewhere and, and get the assets back, you know, while he's at this peak if they really didn't want to extend him. Um, or, you know, or they're just going to go into next year, try to franchise tag him and trade him after, you know, when they have him on the tag right next year. So we'll, uh, but I, I, I think the Chiefs are still trying to get something done. It's just Chris is asking for a lot. And, and I, I think they'll meet in the middle ground eventually. Well, Teeb, the Bohemian Premium, asked, worst case scenario, Chris Jones gets traded. Does that make any kind of sense? I mean, exactly what we're talking about. If they don't really want to sign him, you should trade him right now in terms of in terms of asset return, right? Now, I wouldn't necessarily say you should like overall because I'd still like to have him in 2023 as this team tries to repeat as Super Bowl champs. Um, but at the same time, his, his value to a team is not going to be any higher than it is right now. I mean, he's coming off of, you know, a, 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 just a great overall season. You know, there's a chance, you know, he doesn't have that good of a season this year and his value is not the same, you know, next offseason when you can tag him and trade him um, in that sense. And someone else, you know, maybe next year he, someone else may not want to pay him the way they want to pay him right now and is willing to give you, you know, potentially a first-round pick or, or something in return. So in that sense, it does make sense. The Tyreek thing, it's the same thing, right? Like, hey, if they're going to get to a point where it's either I'm not getting anything in return or, you know, like that's kind of where they got with Tyreek, they're going to pull the trigger. But I just don't think I, I, can't, I can't imagine they're at that point right now. It's It just seemed like they were, you know, Chris Jones was at the ESPYs with Mahomes and Kelsey. You know, he, he you know, he, he's been at things. I just I, I think he wants to he's be already there. said I want to be a chief for life. I'm not exactly. playing another franchise like this is he's just playing. hard. Know, yeah, it's negotiation time. You're gonna. We have to entertain the worst case scenarios. But we hope that the nuclear yeah. option doesn't doesn't hit. Um, well, in his absence, this is maybe one of the strongest negotiating points Chris Jones may have. <laughs> uh, is that without Chris Jones, who lined up in his place in in training camp? Yeah, uh, you know, it was Daniel Wise, former Jayhawk. So shout out our our, our Kansas Jayhawks here. Uh, you know, remembered him well for his time in Lawrence, but. Uh, not someone who's known for his NFL play. Let's just say that, uh, you know, he, he was on the Washington commanders last year, played 11 games and only played and only made one tackle in those 11 games. 
um, but was signed to the Chiefs practice squad for the playoffs. And so that's where I think why he's in the lineup is because he, he does have familiarity with the system in terms of, you know, he was on the practice squad for, you know, a month plus last year, all the, uh, you know, through the Super Bowl run. So I think that's where uh, that's where it makes sense. He's on the starting lineup over, you know, guys that are first year players here uh, in that three tech position. Um, you know, like, you know, you could have had O'Manyhew in that role, but, you know, he's still probably trying to learn the defensive end position. So I think it really is just a placeholder, but Stags, you're right. It is a very good point for Jones to say, look, you know, if, if you really want to do this, your defense up the middle, Naughty and Daniel Wise as your starters, man, we're, we're going to see some, we're going to see some gashes. Let's just say that. I'm just laughing at the irony of uh, Chris Jones's replacement right now as a guy who said is not known for his NFL play. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the NFL. This is a, that's kind of what you want him to be known for. So yeah, I think there's, I think there's a problem there if Jones isn't there. And I, th- I think you got to do some reshuffling, uh, you know, and you, you got to look at veterans. There's, there's going to be a lot of, you know, worst case scenario stuff here. If, if Chris Jones isn't on this squad, that becomes, you know, goes from a strength to a weakness in an instant. And, and you've got uh, some work to do. So, Tell you what, let's let's take a step back and, and play a little game from training camp. Ron, you came up with this idea, uh, and and I'd love to have you set that up, and we can roll through some of your observations from camp in, in kind of a fun way here. Go ahead. Yeah, let's play a game. I, I had a I had a name for it. You made it way better, so I'm not even going to tell the people what the first <laughs> name was. So here we go. I'm going to throw out some things I saw at training camp, and we're going to debate. Was it just a note? Or was it notable? Because I have my little notepad here that I bring out to camp. I don't like bringing this big, a big spiral, I like having a little handheld thing. You know, I, I take some notes down. But sometimes when I take that note down, I, I, it makes me think a little bit. It makes me want to tweet something. It makes me want to, you know, get, get a takeaway going. So get a reaction going. So here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the, the standout of the day. It was, it was Richie James. Uh, everyone who was there uh, had a comment about his play. You know, it, it, it feeds into Kadarius Tony uh, that uh, he left practice. I really think Richie James may have not been able to show off uh, his skills with the first team like he was able to if Tony was a full participant in practice. But Richie James came in he with the first team and the second team offense made plays. Um, and, and especially as a as a receiver after the catch, you know, that was the most notable play to me was in the red zone, made made one catch where he was on the run, uh, made two dudes miss kind of suddenly and, and got close to the goal line. Definitely some Tony-ish skills there, um, and and you've been touting that Stags uh, as we got uh, you know as this offseason has has, has gone along. Uh, you know Richie James is kind of this guy that maybe can do some of that stuff. So you know is Richie James' first day training camp performance is it is it just a note or notable? I'm gonna say notable Stags because I I I think there was some some uh, some some good positive things to see. You know he had a long connection with Mahomes too over the middle through through traffic. What do you think? Is it just a note or is it is it notable? James is one of those additions that flew under the radar this offseason. But now you're seeing exactly why they brought him in. They brought him in because he can do some of those things that Nicole Hardman did. He can do some of the things that Kadarius Tony does. Um, and so with with Tony's injury history, you've got to have depth at those positions. You've got to have another playmaker, somebody who's quick and fast and can, can make uh, uh, those catches and, and maybe make some guys miss in space. And, and he's got a history of doing that. So if you watch this, go out and watch last season's Richie James highlights. If you're wondering whether or not he's going to make this roster, there's a highlight video on YouTube. Just watch 10 minutes of, of Richie James highlights and, and you'll come out 
seeing that the guy has some of that short area quickness, some of that ability to catch balls in, in traffic, take a short you know, screen pass and, and make something out of it. A lot of the things that this offense is, is predicated upon, that's what he can do for this team. I think he's a lock for this roster. I think you can write his name in pin in your 53-man roster predictions. He's on this roster. He's there for a reason, and we saw the reason literally day one of camp when Tony went down, Richie James steps right in seamlessly and executes, helps move the ball. I think he's going to be a productive player and, and, and really, again, somebody that this offense needs to get through a whole season. Yes, I think that's a good way to put it, you know, to get through a whole season with someone playing that zebra, that Z role, because I do think guys like Sky Moore, you know, he did some of that last year. I think his progression as a receiver, you're going to see him do some of the outside stuff, you know, uh, beat press coverage as that X receiver. I think you're going to see him be able to do some of that stuff. He's he's not the tallest guy, but he's a strong guy. And so I, I do think there's I, I think they want someone else to be playing that that kind of shifty slot receiver role, you know, that they kind of uh, had Sky doing some of last year behind behind Tony. And so I like that thought. And, yeah, I just think it's 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 notable because Stags, I, I think something that I found surprising was you saying he's a lock for the 53 man roster. I totally agree. That didn't seem to be like a, a, a consensus, you know, right among chiefs Twitter before yesterday. And then you saw a lot of people being like, Oh, well, Richie James a lock now or, or well, yeah, I mean, and we're saying it now, but we, we were, I think we, me and you have kind of, and, and, you know, I'll give you credit. You definitely were, were on it. I, I was sleeping on him for sure. Um, before, before we kind of got Bobby Stroop hyping him up on Twitter. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I just think, I, I just think I've always kind of thought he was a lock for the roster, but it just didn't seem like that was kind of a consensus. And, and did I right. read that right? I mean, you kind of saw that too. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, if you look at this roster construction and, and this was a question again, going back to black Elf's question, the confidence in the wide receiver room, you know, the, the question with the wide receiver room is going to be how many they keep, but I think your top five or six are pretty well locked in with James being one of those guys. We'll talk more about that in just a minute, but let's get to your next note or notable um a little bit about the defense i think yeah let's 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 do that because I, the one thing i was kind of excited to see was the first round pick felix and ozama excited to see and maybe him work off the edge although you know again with these first days no pads um you know light contact it's going to be tough but you know, it, I did see, I took down note that uh, rookie defensive lineman Felix Anaduke Ozama and Keandre Coburn, they both were working with the third team defense exclusively, meaning, uh, you know, the first and second team units uh, they were not a part of. You had guys like Danny Shelton, Matt Dickerson was playing over Coburn. You had guys like uh, Malik Herring uh, playing over Felix on the edge uh, in the with the second team unit, you know. I, I am going to say this is just a note because it is, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I'm going to tell you it's, it's spags, um, you know, kind of just trusting the guys that have been here to, to kind of install the defense right away. Right. You know, as, as camp gets going, nothing to, to, this should not, anyone should, no one should take away that Felix is, is a third string defense or, you know, a six string defensive end or anything, uh, from this, but, you know, I was kind of excited to see what he can do. And, and because you're third team, you don't get a lot of reps. Um, and so I wasn't able, we didn't get to see much of the rookies uh, in, in camp, but it is just a note. Is there anything yeah. of, of you, you need to, uh, you would disagree on that? No, I, I agree that it's just a note because in a sense, this team is getting back to what they would normally do with rookies. Last year was an unusual season. And the fact that they had a lot of turnover and they had this rookie class that was ready to go day one. The fact that they had so many rookies contributing last year is probably more of an anomaly. It's more of the exception than the rule. 
to me, this is them getting back to doing business as usual, where the veterans start the camp as the starters and rookies have to earn their way up the depth chart. Um, they're not automatically handed a, a starting job from day one, like Creed Humphrey was uh, or Trey Smith. I mean, I think some of these guys are going to have to work their way up and, and that's normal. And that's how it should be on a very good roster. You know, there, there should be this process of, of rookies earning their keep. And so, I'm not concerned about that. I think that's a good sign that this roster is just pretty well stacked and they're going to make these rookies prove it before they, they get handed the job. Well, someone who's also, uh, you know, has to prove something that we're all, you know, I, I had a cl- close eye on yesterday was, was Justin Ross. Um, he was working with the first team, which is of note. Uh, we do have to mention that because outside of the, the top six receivers that we all kind of know, uh, which does include Richie James, I know he's new, but uh, we just talked about him. Outside of the top six receivers, Justin Ross was the only other one to really be working in with the starters, with Mahomes. But he didn't have a, a much of a meaningful day. Um, I actually noted on Twitter because uh, I, I noticed it. And it was a clean drop, okay? It was, it was on air. It was an easy go ball. He just dropped it. I had to note it. No one else was dropping him. Um, but he did rebound, had a good day uh, on a couple reps, uh, just kind of curl routes over the middle, catching it with the good hands, turning up field with, with pretty good, you know, pretty good movement skills for his size. There was another play. Mahomes' progression was completely covered up, and, and he kind of tested him really uh, deep down the field on the sideline, but he kind of didn't get didn't fight through the cornerback and kind of tripped up and wasn't able to get to it. But uh, just overall, he didn't really have a mean he didn't really get enough meaningful reps to get any sort of takeaway. So to me, this is just a note. But actually, Stags, I don't know if you're following Pete's live updates, but he just tweeted out that Justin Ross had a long, wide open touchdown today in seven on seven from Blaine Gabbert. So it sounds like Justin Ross you know, having a little bit of a, a, a bounce back day on Monday. So there you go. Yeah, I think this is still just a no, nothing notable yet uh, for, yeah. for Ross. He's one of those guys that really has to show a lot. Um, and he yeah. should be showing a lot against air at this point. Uh, when the pads come on, when the, the lights come on, I think that's when you'll, you'll have, you know, a, a clear evaluation uh, of Ross. We're not there yet. He's a guy, the big tall receivers, always look good against air. They always look good in camp. Um, and so I'm not making anything, any notes about him and Penn. I'm not keeping anything in the notable category on him until preseason games. Uh, that's when I'll, I'll start to you know get excited one way or the other about what Ross is doing. Well, another one too I want to throw out. Uh, the, looking at the defense again, Legarius Sneed, uh, you know, obviously the, the slot defender for the Chiefs for, for a good amount of time um, in Spags' defense over the years. Uh, he was he stayed on the outside when the Chiefs went to nickel a few times as the, with the starters, and McDuffie slid into the slot, which we saw towards the end of last year. And actually, again, you know, we're, we're, we are uh, recording during Tuesday's practice. It sounds like he's mixing it up even more. Uh, Pete says that they actually were doing some work today uh, where McDuffie wasn't even in. It was Sneed, Watson, Williams, and DiCaprio Boodle kind of working in different spots, and then McDuffie came back in 11-on-11. Didn't sound like any injury was involved there. So, you know, this is Spags mixing it up, right? And so maybe this is just just a note here, uh, nothing to take away. Because Spags wants his guys to be versatile. Spags wants, you know, his defensive backs to be able to play everywhere. So um, it was cool to see uh, McDuffie, you know, play in the slot because I think that shows you that they trust him to cover you know, be, you know, because that is the hardest place to cover a receiver is that two way go in the slot. Um, and he's that second year player. But, you know, I do like Snead in the slot. So I hope it's just kind of a, a, a testing out thing. So I'm going to go say, go ahead and say it's just a, just a note, Stags. What do you think? Yeah. I'm going to put this on my radar a little bit. I don't think it's notable okay. yet, but I think watching Legarius Sneed this season is going to be interesting because 
He is up for a contract extension. They did draft a versatile defender in Shamari Connor that can do some of the similar things that he does. I think you really want to watch how he plays, how he responds, how the team treats him this year. Is is this you know the last hurrah for him as a chief, or you know is he somebody that's uh, irreplaceable? And I think you want to get the most out of him. You want to watch what his value is on the open market. You know, if he is a full outside corner and ends up being a lockdown guy, taking the team's best receiver and and taking him out in, in any given game, then all of a sudden he's probably going to price himself out of Kansas City because they're probably not going to want to pay him that way, considering they already have other options on the outside. If he goes back to – if this is just preseason training camp, get everybody reps at every position sort of thing, then there, there still could be this – hybrid, you know, Boy Scout knife role for for, uh, uh, for him that he can do a little bit of everything and and he may be, you know, sort of a unique player with a unique fit on this defense that nobody else has. So I, I'll be watching Legereus Sneed's role yeah. as the season evolves. It's too early to make it super notable, but uh, but I'm not going to uh, – I'm not going to, you know, close my eyes when it comes to, when it comes to Snead for quite a while. Well, then I, speaking of Snead, I do want to highlight uh, this, this play Sky Moore made against Snead. Um, uh, the Chiefs account actually tweeted it out, but it was one of the more impressive plays I saw on the day. I didn't actually tweet it out during, during the live time. I just, it was just, I, I, it was one of those things. I just didn't know how to tweet it out. I don't like taking video. I just, I just avoid that. I'm more of a, a word guy at, tra- at training camp, but uh, Sky Moore lined up on the outside against Legereus Sneed at the at, as that outside corner released outside went vertical, but then uh, because Justin Reed was coming over as the safety quickly, Mahomes had to kind of you know uh, hit him kind of I guess with a bullet pass more than a more than a layered pass with some air on it, and so Sky kind of had to bend back uh, inside while running vertically against Sneed, and, and he created the separation, made the catch, and it would have been a touchdown. Uh, you know, I imagine full pads maybe Sneed tackles him kind of slipped off him there but it was a really impressive play impressive play for sky Moore. that's definitely just a note but i definitely liked uh a sky making that play um well, i'm just i'm gonna go. jump in real quick i think sky Moore is is borderline notable at this point uh the okay. way he's camp. i think he's he's showing himself to be a, a featured receiver in this offense i think he's getting it seems like he's getting a lot of volume he, he's been productive um seems like he's made the strides that you would hope he would make from year one to year two i thought a lot of his issue in 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 his rookie season was mental it seemed like he you know had a little bit of again i want to call it anything more than what it is but there was a lot of times he was not on the same page as mahomes and not in the same place that mahomes expected him to be if he's corrected that and he's able to to play faster and and let his his talent shine through uh, he may be one of your your focus starters uh, on this offense. And I think you noted who were the three guys that were in three wide receiver sets. Who are your starters? Well, since Tony was not there, yeah, it was MVS, obviously. You had Sky Moore in there, and then Rasheed Rice was that third guy. So, I mean, it, it Sky is, you know, he is the guy behind, you know, uh, MVS and Tony in terms of the receiver depth chart, which, you know, again, with Tony – you know, we don't know how that's going to shake out. I mean, Sky Moore could technically be that second receiver, and Tony's more just that, you know, McCole Hardman wasn't ever a wide receiver two or three, right? He was kind of that, you know, he's just in the offense. He didn't, he didn't really call him, you know, a wide receiver two or three. Um, that might just be where to- what, what Tony becomes if he continues to just be an injured kind of up-and-down piece. 
and that's where Sky can can step in. But yeah, I, I like what I saw from Sky. I think Richie kind of stole the show, but but Sky was the one you know playing more of the routes, obviously, and 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 just just impressing. No, I I like Sky. He, it was only that one big. Actually, I should say there was another play. Stags uh, in the red zone. Uh, Mahomes kind of scramble drill kind of thing. You know, Sky kind of broke away. Willie Gay was t- trailing him. So what you're talking about with the connection, it was kind of nice to see uh, scramble drill. They can, them can be, kind of be on the same page because Sky did get to a place that was a good place for completion, but Willie Gay made a good play, ripped it away at the last second. So you got to give credit to Willie on that. Um, but it was a really nice play uh, between Mahomes and Scott. So another, you know, a couple big plays for the two on the day. Yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about his role, and and he may be more of a part of the offense than MVS at some point. I mean, that's may sound like a hot take at this point, but you, you may have. It, this may be the Sky Moore show with with Tony whenever he's healthy being the the big playmaker, but Sky may be the volume guy, and that might be a, a really good development for this team. Well, before we uh, – well, actually, let me get one more of note or notable because one thing I saw that, that I kind of made note of right away and I tweeted about was Jody Fortson had a couple bad drops, uh, kind of easy catches that he just dropped. And, you know, I think drops, you know – or can be up and down, but I do think there's something to note there. But um, then tor- towards the end of practice, he had two really good catches in the red zone, really strong catch. I think there is a video out there um, in the red zone kind of over somebody. So, you know, first day of training camp, that's just a note, but he did drop one on air and then another kind of over the middle of the field. That was, that was pretty easy. So uh, he's going to get that tightened up, but I do think Jordy's still uh, Jody Fortson's still going to be a, a good, he's just he just has that X factor part of the offense that I you know he's not going to lose his spot you know it, it, he's going to be a guy so that's just a note. Yeah, I think that's just a note as well. Fordson is you know a unique matchup threat. I still don't think they've used him you know to the full extent of what he can do. We'll see if that happens this year, but I think it's pretty safe to call him a lock for his role yeah. uh, on this offense. Again, he may not always get a, a high volume of targets, but he does some unique things uh, for, for this team, especially in the red zone. It's just about time, I think, probably to take a break and, and hear from our sponsors. Uh, on our way out, uh, this new tradition we've we've been rolling with, uh, do you have a guess that chief for us this week? Oh, yeah. And I, uh, with training camp here, you know, I wanted to I wanted to go with the current chief. You know, I, so I, I kept it on the current roster this time, Stag. So that's your first hint, is that this is a current chief's defender. On the Chiefs, he was originally drafted by an AFC team, but signed his second contract with the Chiefs. And your last hint is that the Chiefs took uh, took down him took him down in for or unforgettable fashion in the postseason on his last team. That's your last hint. A current Chiefs defender who was who was taken down in great fashion, in memorable fashion, as I would say, by the Chiefs in the playoffs. So. That is your hint. We'll talk about that on the other side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Out of Structure Podcast. I'm Matt Stagner, as always, here with Ron Cop Jr. on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Thanks for sticking with us. Make sure you rate and review and uh, listen to all the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Also check out the work that Ron and others are doing on the site. Um, we've got more of Ron's takeaways from camp, but we're going to make you wait for that till the very end of the podcast. Uh, we have a couple more questions uh, from Twitter that we're going to take down. Right before break, Ron left us with a question on a current chief. Um, and I don't remember all the hints, but the one that really got me was that uh, uh, the Chiefs took him down in the playoffs in epic fashion. Um, I'm going to go with Chief Safety Justin Reed uh, as nice. as the guest nice. that chief. Because he was the he was the um, fake punt, uh, yeah, the, the yep. fake punt, uh, a ball carrier that Daniel Sorensen took down in, in epic fashion when he was with Houston. Is that right? Yes, yes. That would have been too obvious to say he was he was taken down in epic fashion on a on a uh, play in the in a playoff game. But uh, no, good one. Actually, it's kind of a trick question because Charles Amenihu, I I believe, was a part of that team as well. So. you you could have said him, but that's true. It, it was it was Justin. I know many he was part of the. Was he part of the 49ers when the uh, the Chiefs won that Super Bowl, or was he not there yet? No, no, yeah, that would no, not yet, not yet. All right, we're moving on to Kramer Sandstone's question. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Chiefs' Madden ratings? These things always get a lot of publicity and a little bit of controversy. It's not something I focus too much on. I, I don't own a current copy of Madden, uh, but. Uh, I'm glad to talk through some of these ratings with you, Ryan. Uh, what are some of the ones that stood out to you that you wanted to review? Well, Mahomes and Kelsey are 99 club. Shout out them. Um, pretty obvious, I would say, both at the top of their position. But it, there, they are the, there, is the, no, there is no 100 club, right? This is a <laughs> this is the no. uh, the best you can possibly be. Uh, the the two goats that makes perfect sense. Although I will say, anyone who remembers, I think it was Madden 07. Devin Hester had 100 speed. It was the only time they did that, I'm pretty sure. So uh, Devin Hester, shout out, legend. Um, but only team in the game with 99 and, and two positions, so shout out the Chiefs. Uh, Chris Jones came in at 96. I think you could you could have bumped him up a couple, maybe 97, 98. Uh, but he's only behind Aaron Donald, who's 99. So those are the, the trio, you know, the superstar trio. And I guess the only other 90 for the Chiefs was Creed Humphrey at 90. But uh, – but besides that, you know, they, they they underrated a few guys for sure, Stags. Um, first of all, I, I just want to say Denard Prince wasn't even on it. Um, I feel like he, they're going to regret that pretty quick. He's going to have a role <laughs> um, to an extent on this team. But, you know, he's undrafted free agent. I understand. I do they release that, but... updates during the uh, during the season? They do. To, you it, download, it, an, yeah. download an update. Maybe that'll yeah. happen. Yeah, they'll have to. Um, but Nick Bolton. Seventh best linebacker in the league. I know you like to hear that, Stags. Uh, I, I think that's that's pretty fair. Uh, you know, he. I think he was one of the best tacklers. I, I want to say. Uh, and and anyone who's who's listening who care who who wants to read more into this, Kramer Sansone, who actually answered the, or qu- asked this question, actually is a writer of ours and, and does Madden simulations. Make sure you check out the site. He broke this all down. He has plenty of articles on all the Madden ratings. Um, Justin Reed was kind of upset with his 81, 81 rating. Um, I, I'll say that. Um, I, again, I'm. 
trying to campaign for him to unblock me. Um, I think you deserve better than that. I think you deserve better than that, Justin Reed. It's got to be better than 81. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, I'll, I'll fight with you on that. Maybe, maybe he'll block um, me when I say that 81 seems pretty fair for him so far. But uh, <laughs> um, looking through the others, I, I thought, you know, Creed Humphrey and Joe Tooney might be a little bit underrated uh, at, at 90 yeah, and, and 89. I, I mean, both of those guys are pretty close to the top of their position. Uh, I don't know how many centers and guards are above that score, but those guys are are going to have a case for being the best at their positions. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Trey Smith at 82 is, is is a little low, but probably pretty fairer than Perfect. Tooney at 89. Tooney at 89 is is Tooney should be at least 92, 93. And Juwan Taylor at 78 is probably, um, you know, I, 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 that's probably under, right? Yeah, that's. I mean, you know, he hasn't, you know, he's not some household name. So I, I guess I get why Madden maybe is, is still making improve it a little bit. But uh, but you'd think he'd be at least an 80 with his pass protection skills. I got to say, Nick Allegretti, he's got to have some beef because that dude has proven enough to be more than a 63. He's bottom of the roster. You know, that's, that's true. That's, that's, that's got, a little messed up. <laughs> they got him below Darren Kennard, who's never really set foot on the field. <laughs> uh, Austin Ryder? Austin Ryder doesn't even play anymore. I mean, come Austin on. Austin Ryder's a lot higher than him. He's the, the perennial practice squad guy. Yeah, I think Allegretti <laughs> should have some beef there. That's that's a good point out. Uh, Karloftis and Omenihu both at 76 on the defensive line. Um, yeah, I'm surprised Omenihu did have a beef with. It. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. He he was he was pretty upset that the Madden didn't give him a better finesse pass rush rating, which I get because if you're talking about the singular skill of you know a pass rush move on a single, you know he's he's better than you know he's 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 up there. Um, I wouldn't say like a 90, um, but but you know I do think he probably should have a little more overall because he has some skills to him. Yeah, those guys are probably low 80s. If if uh, just looking at context of of everybody else. I mean, uh, you know, Felix, who hasn't played yet, is a 71. So it's, yeah. it seems like those two guys have proven a lot more than, than Felix has at this point. What would your highest Madden rating be, Stags? If, uh, and, and it can be anything. I mean, and anything in life. I mean, what, what would the thing you'd be 99 in, in, in oh, Madden? Uh, I think I would be – I'll tell you. I think I would be guessing what, play, what colleges a player went to because that is that – is, I love doing that. I think I can can execute that. I'm 99. 99 in that. Uh, you have any any random skills that are 99 yeah. stacks? Put me on the spot. I, I I don't know that I'm a 99, but uh, I, I play a pretty mean pretty mean ping pong. Uh, Ooh, we a, okay. We got a table in our basement, and we uh, I used to play at work all the time. We had a we had one in the break room of my old job, and we would play for hours. So uh, I can hold my own there. Okay. Okay. I like it. Yeah. No, I, I could see it with the length. I could see, you know, you kind of, kind of got the range, you know, there's not really getting any, you know, getting something past you. <laughs> so I could see it. I could see it. Yes. For something random. That's what we got. Uh, Casey in Mo at Gritmoan on Twitter. What are your top five position battles in camp and why he starts with, or he or she starts with their uh, list here. Uh, they go with wide receiver first, then defensive end, offensive line, defensive back, and backup quarterback. Uh, what are your top five, and, and what beef do you have with the list here from from at Critmoan? Yeah, well, you know, I just I like to get. A, I'm going to be a little more specific because you know when you say defensive end, you know I would say it's a pretty there. Something about that position is something high, but I wouldn't just say defensive end. I would say 
the second best pass rusher on the team. That's my I would be my number one, honestly, is is who is going to be this team's second best pass rusher? Um, is it Omenihu? Is it Karloftis? Could it be the first round rookie? Could it could it be Dana? Could Dana be the sleeper and all of a sudden he's just the most consistent guy outside of Chris Jones? I mean, we really don't know. Um, we wanna we hope it's Karloftis, we hope it's Omenihu. Um, those those are probably the best case scenarios, right? If one of those two stepped up. But we really don't know. So I think that's my favorite. Um, and so if you put it like that, I think he's he's got it up there. Because number two for me would be the wide receiver two um, or three. It's just weird how you look at it. But to me, and, and you kind of talk about it, but I think we actually do need to make the battle for wide receiver two. Tony versus Sky versus Rasheed. And just in terms of who is going to be like that second reliable target outside of MVS. Because MVS, just the way, just his, you know, just the way he plays the outside receiver, you know, his, his being, him being a veteran, he's probably just going to lead the room and snaps naturally. Um, he, you know, it, things could change, but um, I think that's the second best. So those are my top two battle stacks. You are, did you have a difference, uh, a differ between the top two and the top two? I mean, maybe just for a different reason. I think wide receiver is interesting more on the bottom end of the roster. How many mm-hmm. do they keep? You know, is, do they keep seven? Do they keep six? Is Justin Ross that number seven? Uh, I think the top of that yeah. roster is pretty well sorted out, and we're seeing some some you know evolution here in camp so far. Defensive end, defensive line in general, I think there's probably an opportunity for them to consider bringing in a veteran at either position, depending on how things go with Chris Jones and and how things go in camp. If you don't see quick evolution of Felix, then I, I would think that they're going to be looking for some help on the edge. So That's that true. might be one to keep an eye on for that reason. Well, other ones I had that he didn't include, actually, I think linebacker is actually the most intriguing position overall to me when I go back to camp next weekend, uh, when maybe they're a little more, uh, you know, a little, little more custom and, and flying around, a little more acclimated, I should say. Um, but the, the true battle to me is that second linebacker, that will linebacker that plays in the nickel, which the Chiefs defense will be in 70-ish percent of the time. You know, there were snaps of Tranquil playing that next to uh, Bolton on Sunday. Um, but for the most part, it was Gay playing that will linebacker role in the base, which, you know, that is a different position. Technically, in the ni- nickel uh, package, it's called the Buck linebacker, which uh, we've seen like Damian Wilson in the Super Bowl run play. Um, Willie Gay has played, obviously, the last few years. Um, it's kind of a unique position. But again, it's someone that plays next to Bolton 70% of the time, maybe. And so if Tranquil wins that job, you know, that puts Gay in a pretty peculiar position you know all of a sudden he's not really playing as much as 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 he was and in, in a contract year where he needs to prove something you know it, it is interesting but uh that's my and chanel i mean chanel is not going to go quietly to the bench i mean that dude flies around he had a great super bowl you could tell he was more and more comfortable as the season went on because at the top of the year he definitely didn't look that good um i'm excited to see him because i really do think he won't go quietly into the night uh as as a as a bench player, as that fourth linebacker. So Willie and, and Chanel and Tranquil are all battling for something, man. There's all, they all have something to prove. You know, and I'll also go to the bottom of the roster here. In the past, they've kept five linebackers with Jack Cochran being the fifth guy. This year, he's got some competition for some undrafted free agent rookies uh, that, that may push him there. So we'll be curious to see, do they still feel the need to keep five? If so, is it Cochran? Is there some competition for, for that job? But you're right. I mean, I think the, the headline story is going to be Willie Gay's role with Drew Tranquil in, in town. My favorite part about that is the room's better, period. Either way, regardless of who's getting the snaps, the room's better than it was last year. Yes. Uh, and, and that's a good 
that's a good thing for the middle of this defense. When it comes to, you know, the, the next positions on his list, uh, offensive line and defensive back, again, I don't know that it's necessarily, at least on offensive line, I think the, the guys that are going to make the roster are on the roster, and it's pretty clear who they are for the most part. It's mostly just how do they shuffle those positions? Is there a chance that somebody else ends up being the left tackle other than Donovan Smith? Is there a chance that, uh, you know, Wani Morris, uh, uh, you know, steps up into into a bigger role than what you would expect him to based on the moves that they make. Those will be fun things to watch, I think, just as the preseason goes along. But, you know, I think for the most part, you've got your list of linemen on there. I don't anticipate any major, major surprises as far as who makes the roster and who doesn't. Do you? No, you're right. I agree with you. Uh, Prince Sega Winogo is kind of on the outside looking in, unfortunately, but that's just, you know, the nature of it. You know, it's not like the Chiefs drafted him. He was, he was picked up, you know, after the Eagles drafted him. Um, you know, he's, that might be that might be one, though, either him or, or Niang. Maybe there's one of the two of them uh, that, well, that uh, doesn't make it. Well, what I will say is, and I, I trust my guy Caleb with his eye because he was a former lineman, played college football, offensive line, and he was, he was taking a close look at, at kind of how the linemen, you know, again, they're not, He's not, you know, they're not looking at blocking and stuff, just like how they look. And uh, he did say Niang looked in really good shape. Um, he, he, he much more fit, um, definitely moving a little better, he said, in those drills. There remains to be seen if that translates to better football play um, because, you know, when you're that big, you know, there's he probably relies on that to an extent. So if, if he kind of loses any sort of that anchor, um, you know, it, it might, you know, change how he plays a little bit. But I do think there's a swing tackle battle between Niang and Wanye Morris. Um, brewing, although Morris again has, is, did not practice Sunday, didn't practice Monday, I don't believe, with a hamstring uh, designation. So, you know, Niang does kind of have that that leg up right now, unless someone like Kennard uh, wants to step in and, and make some noise. But t- again, Tega Winogo too could, could could in that sense maybe make some noise there too. Yeah, we're talking ourselves into it here. There might be some intrigue <laughs> there, but again, the good news is this is a deeper and better group than they've probably ever had in the Mahomes era uh, on the offensive line, and so. You know, however, they it shakes out. You've got a pretty pretty nasty uh, group up front there. What about defensive backs? He listed here as a as a number four top position battle. Um, I, I again, I don't it. know that there's too much that's up in the air there. Is there? I don't see it. You know, because one thing I was a little worried about as a Brian Cook stan, uh, Brian Cook breakout season incoming. Um, I was a little worried that maybe the Chiefs would rely on Mike Edwards um, as that veteran. Um, been in the league, been in a Todd Bowles defense, which, you know, has kind of that craziness that Spags has. And maybe, you know, he takes advantage of some of that. It does seem like they're just trusting Cook to, to take and run the Thornhill kind of second in command with Justin Reed role. Uh, by all accounts, it sounds like that's the case. Even Mike Edwards uh, talking to the media made it sound like, uh, you know, Cook is, is taking the reins in that in that sense. So that was kind of the only one I had any question about. It seems like Brian Cook is the second guy and Mike Edwards is just going to be that third safety, which is a valuable part. Uh, piece of the defense so it's not like that's not that's a knock on mike edwards it's actually just more of an ass or a, a, a you know a, a a good thing to say about brian cook because cook season's coming it's it's breakout season time but that's the only one so and, and I, finally he lists backup quarterback here um i'm not sure is is this a battle for who makes the roster the the only question for me on backup quarterback again is how many do they keep uh to me blaine gabbard is the guy he's the backup period uh, Shane Bouchelle is the swing guy on the roster. Is he, if they keep three, he's on there. If they don't keep three, he's on the practice squad. 
do you think the rule change and the roster flexibility on game day is going to you know swing in favor of them keeping three, uh, or, or do you think that there's uh, something else we're missing here? Well, no, I you you hit it, and Pete noted this in his 53 man projection, which I I almost completely agree with. Uh, so if you want to know what I think the 53 man roster is going to look like, uh, go to the prediction on the site for Pete. But yeah, I, the three the three quarterback thing is a thing now. They're they're gonna keep three quarterbacks because you you don't want to look dumb when you, your second quarterback goes out and you don't take advantage of this new rule where the third quarterback is on the 53 man roster but doesn't count towards the active game day roster, but he can still play. And so. It just gives you that kind of extra spot, even though it feels like you're taking, you know, you're taking away a spot in the 53 man for the third quarterback. You actually are still gain, you know, still having that extra spot available on game day um, that you didn't, that you wouldn't have. So they're going to take advantage of that. So I, I guess in that sense, yeah, it is a battle between Bouchelle and Aludicon, but I, I got to tell you, Bouchelle's probably going to win that. He's been here. He knows the system. That's what matters. It, you know, they're not work. They're not looking for someone who's going to make a better throw or you know, be more talented. They're looking for someone who knows the system as a third quarterback. So. Yeah, filling out that room. I'd actually replace backup quarterback on this list with running back. And again, there's a pretty good chance you've got four running backs on the roster. It is Pacheco, Clyde, McKinnon, and uh, rookie Generic Prince. But the order in which those guys live might be different. And Prince is having a pretty phenomenal offseason from what it from what it seems like. Every yes. single day, uh, you know, you're hearing something good about him. In camp, there's already several reports, surprisingly, about his receiving ability. Uh, if he is that all-around running back that he looks like he could be as a backup to Pacheco with with uh, Jarek McKinnon in his role, maybe maybe everybody uh, gets proven right, everybody but us gets proven right, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire finds his way onto a different team. Um, you know, Clyde has been pretty active and looked pretty good in camp from what I've seen as well, so... I'm pretty comfortable that they're going to keep four. Uh, that you know, one of them is probably going to be inactive on game days, but still on the roster, and maybe that's Clyde. But either way, uh, I think the four are pretty well set. But there may be some intrigue there with uh, the rise of Prince. Yeah, you know, we didn't mention it, but that was that was he made a play, uh, which was similar to the play that everyone described he made uh, in OTAs. I will say um, he he made a play down the field where he kind of turned and and kind of caught it behind him as he was running down the field towards the sideline to a, to a little bit uh, from Gabbert. So uh, very comfortable receiver. And actually Pete just tweeted again this morning that uh, Eric Prince does not drop uh, a ball, does not drop passes, I think is exactly what he tweeted. So he must have did something else today. Um, so I, I am excited to see him in action. It sounds like he, he kind of has it all, right? If, we, if he can pass protect, man, that's, that's kind of the full package. And he, and he even said himself in his press conference that he, he thinks he's a three down back. Uh, bold to say of an undrafted free agent, but obviously you're going to say that. And he was supposed to get drafted. This guy is not some diamond in the rough. I mean, he was supposed to be a fifth or a sixth round pick uh, from a lot of draft experts. So he's definitely a, a guy motivated to to make a name. The, the Chiefs have a good recent history in that regard, so they can make a Absolutely. lot of positions. So that'll, that'll be fun to watch just to see how they incorporate all those guys, how they use the running back position this season. But, you know, overall, this roster, we've said it before, is pretty well locked in. I think you've got just a handful of spots that are really, truly up for grabs. There may be a couple of veteran additions that they'll consider, uh, obviously pending whatever happens with Chris Jones. And then there's a couple of guys there that, you know, um, Tershawn Wharton's on the PUP at this point. So if he stays on the PUP throughout camp, he may uh, be on the PUP and miss at least four games in the regular season. 
there may be some some things like that. There always seems to be somebody that goes on IR that we didn't uh, know about ahead of time. But for the most part, you're talking about the last person at each position uh, that's up for grabs at, at, at most. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I do. I do like what we're talking about the roster. It just makes you feel good as a Chiefs fan that this team's pretty locked and loaded, ready to, to try to repeat and not the same way they did last time. Right. Not just, hey, we're running it back with the same team. You know, they have a lot of the same pieces, but where they needed to fill gaps, they did. You know, we'll see if, if all of them are filled to the to the right extent, but they're not going into to, uh, the season with too many questions as long as Jones is playing football this year. If Chris Jones isn't playing football, then we're going to have we're going to have some panic attacks on on the defense, uh, I, I will say. So we'll see. Absolutely. Tell you what, you know who else is locked and loaded is Ron Cop Jr. with all of his training camp updates. So I'm going to step out. I've got a hard stop here, but I'm going to let Ron close on Ron with uh, some additional observations from St. Joe. Again, if you have a chance, get down there to camp and check it out. Uh, if you don't have a chance, you can always get the updates from Ron and Pete Sweeney at arrowheadpride.com. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Ron, take it from here. Ramblin' Ron is back, Stags. That's that's what it is. Ramblin' Ron is back. I'm going to get Serta to play the music because it's a glorious time. The 2023 season is here and going up to camp, man, it felt so good. Uh, walking through the Missouri Western parking lot, through their football stadium, to those practice fields, man. There's nothing like it, you know, seeing seeing the fans. I'm definitely hoping I see more of you guys listening. If you're going to go out there, make sure you let me know. I'd love to, to, to chat, talk Chiefs with you real quick while I'm up there. But I just want to go over a, a few more notes I had from, from day one. Again, these are notes. We had, we played a little game earlier. Notes are notable. Uh, this is ju- These are just notes. And and the first one was, you know, I, I did see in the red zone, man. Mahomes, Mahomes had, uh, had some plays where, you know, it was kind of like a scramble drill, right, when they are doing 11-on-11 in the red zone. Um, a lot of times, you know, in those practices, you know, the defenses, when they know pass is coming, they're going to be able to cover it uh, initially pretty well. Um, so it was up to Mahomes to kind of buy time, find some find some completions. One of them was a nice completion to Rasheed Rice, uh, you know, towards the goal line. He kind of caught it with McDuffie draped all over him and dragged him into the end zone. So that was a nice touchdown to see from the rookie. He also had one to Sky Moore after, uh, I actually talked about that a little er- earlier, but it was a good play from Sky Moore. He, he got, found space, got open, but Willie Gay was just able to to knock it out. So... So there was a few red zone reps. You know, that's where Richie James had made his play. I will say uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a nice little angle route touchdown um, that, you know, maybe if it, if it wasn't, if it was full go, maybe it's not a touchdown. But he, he, he ran the route well, caught it, and, and got upfield to the score. So I, it was a pretty good day for, for the offense making plays in the red zone. Um, Mahomes was kind of giving playmakers the opportunity to make plays, which is always cool. I noted Jody Fortson kind of had a bounce back day when they were doing that towards the end. But the only other thing I wanted to point about the defense – McDuffie had a good day. Uh, he did make a few splash plays. One of them I noticed trailing coverage on MVS down the sideline. Kind of, you know, went up with MVS. Didn't necessarily jump up. I will say MVS could have been stronger to the catch point, but it was still good coverage, good technique of McDuffie. Not, you know, not, you know, facing him and, and then, you know, maybe risking a penalty. It was just great, you know, uh, turn, running, uh, and then knocking away with the, with the, the inside hand. Um, good play by McDuffie. I think, I think he's kind of, you know, he looked so comfortable at the end of last year. I think you're going to see him just be such a, a comfortable coverage player, which is going to be fun to watch, uh, you know, that true coverage player in the Chiefs secondary. So besides that, though, uh, you know, it, that was really the day one of camp. I don't didn't try to take too much away. I really did focus on the receivers, uh, mostly, uh, especially Justin Ross. I really wanted to see if he was able to show anything with the opportunity he was getting. 
Um, but I'll be up there next weekend, so make sure you let me know. I'm going to sign out here on the Out of Structure podcast. Thank you for listening. It's It's been a, a fun offseason, but I'm so ready to get back into to the, the mix of it, the, the thick of it, I should say. So make sure you're following us all on Twitter. Make sure you're following ArrowheadPride.com for all the latest coverage of training camp. And we will catch you next time on the show.